You're at the Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub where we enjoy conversations with people who are engaged in the world of coaching. Welcome to this week's edition of the Coaching Inn. I'm Claire Pedrick and today I'm going to be talking to Emily Walker who is a coach and all-round lovely person. Uh, And Emily and I were having a conversation about coaching and poetry and dissonance. Mm. And Emily said, we need to talk about Shakespeare. So, Emily, welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much, Claire. It's lovely to be here. So tell us a bit about your coaching journey. So my coaching journey, uh, interesting. I think, I mean, I started off with a wellbeing practice. um, And uh, in fact, if I go right back, I started off with uh, being a Montessori teacher. Ah. Um, and um, the whole ethos, I love the ethos of Montessori teaching, which is basically to follow the individual and to help them towards or direct them towards becoming independent. So you're following them, you're being directed by them. Um, and uh, the philosophy is all about bringing out the potential of the child, which is fantastic. And then running a well-being practice and then discovering that actually a lot of what I was doing was mm, coaching. Um, I trained to become a coach um, about ooh, about 13 years ago now. And um, ah, yes, loved it ever since. It's been part and a huge part of my well-being practice. Um, I now train coaches as well, trained coaches for Animus since 2015. And I supervise coaches and mentor coaches for IVF and so on. But my personal practice with coaching is really mainly around well-being, around emotional resilience. Um, and that's informed by various different um, theories and practices, as well as my own experience, um, life experience and so on. So, yes, uh, covering a, a wide variety of things, but chiefly around um, improving or uh, helping people to be uh, to feel better in themselves and to sort of find that sort of centre to themselves where they can reach their full potential from. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And you've just moved. Yes, we've just moved. <laughs> so, yes, having lived in London my entire life. We've um, not only moved house, but moved counties down to Dorset, beautiful Dorset, just outside Bridport, uh, to a small holding that's a campsite at the moment, which we're going to carry on running as a campsite. But in time, with probably not much time, to be honest, we'll also be a retreat centre, well-being space. Um, my husband is a sound therapist as well as a carpenter. Very useful. Um, and so we'll be doing a combination of different things. And I'm, I also practice Reiki and a massage and so on. Uh, run workshops and courses in well-being and so on so yes lots uh, lots 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 to come yes very exciting. sounds amazing I just want to kind of highlight what you said about the Montessori teaching I was talking on Friday to a lady who homeschools mm-hmm. and she's going to come on to the she's going to come to the coaching in and talk about homeschooling yeah. and the connection with coaching Yes, yes. It's a very interesting one. Yeah. As someone who didn't do very well at orthodox, you know, mainstream education, um, because it's not designed around the individual. It's 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 very much, you know, a part of the sort of industrial process. Um, yeah, Montessori is a very, very interesting way. And I think homeschooling often works in a very similar way. I've got a few friends who homeschool and it's a I think it's a really interesting way to work, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, Shakespeare. Yes. Shakespeare. Yes. <laughs> I can't. I can't even quite remember how we got onto that conversation. 
But um, yes, how was it? There was something, I think we were, were talking about something around dissonance and how it actually shows up quite a lot. In Shakespeare, I was brought up, my parents, uh, my dad particularly, is very, very um, into Shakespeare. I was brought up just living and breathing Shakespeare, <laughs> learning Shakespeare on the way to school, um, being taught many, many poems and also speeches from Shakespeare. So I have a great love of Shakespeare, definitely. And it's I'm I'm always fast. There's always so much to learn about how he writes and how he works. And it's interesting how there is a bit of a uh, there's definitely an overlap in in what we listen for in coaching and what we hear in how Shakespeare portrays different characters, which is really, really interesting. Um, and in, in a number of different ways, I think. And we spoke a little bit about dissonance. Um, and. Shakespeare in the way that he writes most of his uh, most of his work is in um, <clears throat> iambic pentameter which is the ten it's it's a very sedentary uh, no very very kind of walking pace um, uh, to the to the words so you've got this you know each phrase is 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 10 syllables um, and when he wants to highlight something he changes the pace not dissimilar to coaching when we listen Indeed. and we change the pace and uh, we do it sometimes consciously and sometimes the client does it unconsciously yeah yeah and that, so there's something about the pace is there something about words does he is he dissonate does he dissonate I know that's a word because I looked it up in the dictionary does he Ooh. dissonate words I didn't know dissonate was a word that's always yeah very nice uh <laughs> yes he does and I think um Yes, definitely. Uh, he uses he dissonates with um, uh, the vowels he uses. So sometimes you hear the similar vowels. It's very you hear the assonance where they use he uses similar vowels in a phrase, and then other times he will shift that to create dissonance. So you really there's a jarringness um, to reflect possibly you know quite often either what's happening or what the character is is talking about, and and it helps to bring your attention to it. Um, there's also, you know, there's dissonance in, uh, I mean, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance in Shakespeare as well. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but um, if it's sort of the difference, if you like, between what characters say and what they do, there's a ah. huge amount of that. So um, uh, like Hamlet, uh, Claudius in Hamlet, uh, the, the king, Hamlet's uncle, we know as an audience that he's committed a crime and he is at one point praying to heaven and he says, my words fly up, my thoughts remain below, words without thoughts never to heaven go. And it's his recognition that there's a real dissonance. You no, know, he's being really explicit about it. There's a real dissonance between, you know, his words and his thoughts. And it's it's you know that's very very clear. That's a very explicit example, I'd say. Um, but there's a lot of dissonance in how characters are clearly thinking on stage and how they act. There's also the whole aspect of um, deception and masking and people playing other people and taking on different uh, different you know names, different genders, and so on. Um, and some of those create a lot of dissonance within the storyline. 
So yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's an awful lot of dissonance and assonance in Shakespeare. Yeah. So you're describing a lot of this as a learner of speeches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very definitely. Yes, yes, and a listener of speeches. I used to go to a lot of Shakespeare plays. Yeah. I'm just wondering what's the difference in terms of dissonance when you're in the audience mm. from when you're the learner of the speech. Um, I think, again, that's an interesting one, because obviously when Shakespeare wrote these, he was writing them for his players to perform in the space. So he knew exactly how they should be spoken as well. So he would undoubtedly be directing those plays and, and uh, in, you know, telling the players not only what to say, but how to say it. Uh, whereas these days, obviously, we don't have his direction. <laughs> so we yes. can kind of slightly make it up. And by nature, some of the phrases, you know, the, the phrases and the, the, the words he uses and so on, um, give us an indication of how to say those things. But, uh, but sometimes it's, it's questionable. So you can kind of make a choice. There was a really, really lovely sketch, and I'm slightly, you know, going off here, but there was a really lovely sketch. I don't know if you're aware of it, but there's, um, Tim Minchin, and a whole plethora of really famous Shakespearean actors. And I think um, our now current king finished off the sketch as well, where each of those actors did the first line of to be or not to be, that is the question. And they all said it in slightly different ways. And it gave slightly different meaning each time they said it. They put the emphasis on a different word and you heard a different thing from it. So, I, yes, I think there's a real art to how you you know the words definitely give direction to how you say it but there's also something that you can input as a speaker as well but as audience you know Shakespeare's never meant to be read in a classroom it was only meant to be heard and and listened to um in in, on the stage um so yes it's all meant for the audience's ear and it creates all sorts of interesting storylines within one's own head as you're listening to it as well. When I was in school doing O-level, GCSE-level English literature, we had to do Twelfth Night, and um, the teacher encouraged us to learn it. And it's really interesting because when I hear it now, Mm. what country friends is this? This is Illyria. What must I do in Illyria? My brother, he is in Elysium. By chance, he is not drowned what think you sailor nobody think i've got a good memory what was your name (laughs) (laughs) um but but there's something isn't there about the about the the beauty of the flow of the words Mm. and i wonder whether sometimes in coaching we can get caught up in the beauty of the flow of the words and lose Mm. the dissonance and forget about it because i could say that and I could it could sound beautiful, but you might not actually be listening because you'd be listening to the sound and not to the meaning. Mm, yes, yes, absolutely. So I think you're right. Sometimes we can get sort of carried away. And it's it, it's sometimes those moments where we get almost carried away with the story that the client is saying because they may be saying it in a beautiful way and it's it's lovely to listen to. And we we need at that point to bring in a bit of dissonance to bring back awareness really yeah because if we join in the music they'll just keep singing 
they'll just keep singing the song. <laughs> singing Anyone the song can can we can we just be a bit compassionate, <laughs> Emily and I? Because I'm sure we're going to be mixing our metaphors here. Oh <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to a, a recording the other day, and you know, of course, the dissonance and and resonance or assonance thing is has really come up in the in the new book, and and it's through listening. And I was listening to a recording. It was a really interesting recording because uh, the coach was saying yes, 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 and the and the thinker has an insight. She said a word, um, and the 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 coach went yes, and I said you both missed that, didn't you? Because she just carried on talking and like five minutes later, she realized what the thing was, but she'd said what the thing was five minutes before, but because the coach had been resonant or assonant, Mm. kept the same sound, they both completely missed it. So tone is such a beautiful thing. And of course, Shakespeare Mm. had the option to try it out, write it down, try it in a different way. And, you know, in coaching, we've just got to go with in the moment. Yes. Yes. And whatever it is comes out, comes out. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And yeah, I'm not, do you say that? It's really interesting because having learnt, like yourself, having learnt Shakespeare sonnets and, and speeches and so on, you, you can play them over, over. I mean, I have the number of times I have gone through the speech to be or not to be in my head, just saying it in different ways, trying out different tones and, and different ways of, um, putting emphasis on words and, and so on. Yeah, you can really play with that and, and get it right. But in the moment as a coach, you only have that moment. So it really requires us to be so on the ball and in that moment, completely aware of what's happening in the space um, in order to be able to catch those moments and bring dissonance in as and when necessary. And also, I, I would imagine also bring in assonance or resonance yeah. when necessary too so yeah. those lovely moments where we uh, maybe challenge or bring some dissonance in and then bring it back um to a, a good you know bring back rapport and so on yeah yeah or start mm. with rapport and then and then make it dissonant so it, that's really good isn't it in interrupting so if you interrupt mm. somebody if you interrupt in a dissonant way they just think you're weird whereas if they're going da di da di da di da di da di da di da in their narrative and you go da di da di da so <laughs> that it becomes less surprising and also they hear it because they hear yes. that you match their music and then you changed it so that's yeah that's a really really interesting one yes and interesting as you're saying that as well sometimes if you reflect back the da di da but but only maybe half the line and then you leave a space you leave it hanging <laughs> and you leave this this lovely moment of silence maybe for you know that in itself silence can be dissonant um, yes yeah. um and that's a a fun a fun thing to play with in coaching <laughs> yeah and we have to not finish our speeches yeah or our yeah. sonnets or our lines don't we we have to just yeah. drop mm, yes yeah I'm just interesting. I'm just sitting here wondering how could you use Shakespeare in coach training? Mm. 
Yes, interesting. Because I'm sure you could. In our improv training, uh, the improv teacher, Stuart Reid, who works with us, he does the to be or not to be thing. He gets them to, he gets everybody to say a line in their own way and it all sounds very different. Yes. That's quite an innovative way of, yeah, seeing what the impact is of the sound that we make. Yeah, yes, definitely. Yeah. And another thing that, you know, coming back to Shakespeare again, every every scene, pretty much every scene in Shakespeare finishes with a rhyming couplet. And this is to bring, you know, it helps the audience to know. And that is all coming to a close. Ah. Um, you know, trying to think of an example off the top of my head. Um I can't think of one off the top of my head, but he but he always, if you look at any Shakespeare play, if you look at the end of a scene, he will always use a rhyming couplet to bring everything to a close. And that's a that's a, a message to the audience to go, okay. We're on to the next thing, or and it's 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 um it's like what we do in coaching in bringing a coaching session to a close, and just asking those questions towards the end to bring the whole thing to a close. You know, time management and all the rest of it, um, and checking in with the client and partnering with the client to finish the session. Um, it, yeah, very much reminds me of that sort of rhyming couplet. It's an indicator. Yeah, because that's the landing, isn't it? Mm. It's the uh, rather than the just abruptly ending. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, we've run out of time. And there are a very few moments in Shakespeare where the scene does abruptly end or he uses a rhyming couplet and then uh, the the character says one half line more, which kind of leaves everyone going, oh, <laughs> because he's using his creating distance to actually leave you slightly hanging which obviously we wouldn't do in coaching but it's an interesting I wonder if we could bring rhyming cutlets into the end of the landing that would be really interesting wouldn't it <laughs> you know we've got a bit of a thing in our house about um crime dramas yeah and when we're watching a crime drama you know when you get to the end and you think it's going to end and then it doesn't and then it does yes. and then we always go duff 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 yeah 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 <laughs> wait for next week's thrilling installment yeah. but actually it needs <laughs> there needs to be an ending to every session doesn't there yeah yeah oh, in couplets, that's the, 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 yeah that's such an interesting thing yeah because that's so yeah i really like that i'm gonna to have to take the dog for a walk with that because <laughs> <laughs> i'm rhyming couplets to finish your coaching sessions with <laughs> but it's yeah, a it's it... a yeah, it's lovely. It's a, it really does bring it to a close in a very neat way. And I think there is something about how we, um, obviously, we don't need to do rhyming couplets at the end of a session, but um, using a phrase at the end of a session, using a phrase that is, I dare I say, it, comfortable or conclusive in a in a in a nice way, that is um, that just ends the session nicely. Yes, it's the words. But it's also the tone of voice. It's also the um, the way that you say the whole phrase brings it to a close. So, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, because I like to say, have we finished? Yeah. Because <laughs> I hear often the end is a bit of a panic. Yes. Yes, we me too. <laughs> we can't possibly do credit to your very big thing that's just come up in the last 30 seconds in this very short time. So you must come back. 
<laughs> so next week's thrilling installment will be <gasps> whereas actually have we done enough have we finished there's a there's a calming tone that mm. we can use to end mm. in the same way that we have a calming tone at the beginning rather than that breathless yes over the line thing yes indeed um yes i mean i think i usually finish with so is there anything more before we bring this to a close is there anything more that we need to do to bring this session to a close? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's that's a fairly familiar phrase that I use. But I, I like you say, I mean, I've heard coaches, I've listened to recordings and I've heard coaches say some of the things like, oh, um, OK, so uh, should we finish it there? Uh, is yes. That, OK. Yeah. And, and there's a, yes, there's a bit of a panic and urgency. And um, you just a, said, is there anything more we need to do to bring this to a close? Which is not the same as is there anything else you want to talk about? No, it's completely yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. Because one of them is in the music of the ending. Hmm, totally. And the other one is in the urgency of the. Oh, no. What else? Yes. <laughs> Got to give value. <laughs> yeah. 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 So when you were thinking about Shakespeare, Emily, what else were you thinking? Oh, interesting. I mean, gosh. <laughs> Quite a few things came up, and a, another one is um, the the sort of metaphors, the bigger metaphors that Shakespeare uses. So he uses things like, for example, um, uh, the for example in As You Like It with the forest and the city, and the, the the there is a real dissonance between the two. And the forest represents the sort of coming home, and this is all about nature and being aligned and being authentic to yourself he also uses it in other plays like midsummer night's dream um i'm fairly sure there's certain others um but this whole distance between places between locations ah. so the city is all about deception and um uh politics and you know all that intrigue uh and that often shows up in a lot of shakespeare but then the forest is this other place uh, of truth and nature and authenticity and so on but also fun. There's often fun that happens in the forest, playfulness, um, magic. Um, and again, it made me think of um, what metaphors show up for us in coaching. So firstly, how metaphors show up for us in coaching and actually what are they possibly representative of? Um, and also how does deception, how do masks show up in coaching, both for ourselves as coaches, but also for the clients too? Um, how do they show up in the space where maybe we are not necessarily fully honest with ourselves or maybe not fully honest with the client and, and, and vice versa? The client may be not fully honest with themselves or fully honest with us. Again, you know, as coaches, we only ever see this much of what the client, you know, yeah. tiny, tiny amount of what the client wants us to show, wants to show us and, 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 you know, of their entire territory, if you like. So, yeah, there's there's definitely sort of crossovers in the, the sort of story element and the metaphors that Shakespeare uses and, and what shows up in the coaching sessions. Mm. Yeah. And so for for Shakespeare, <clears throat> the forest was the faithful place and the city was the place yeah. of deception. But of course, yeah. for every person, the metaphors, if they if they use and if they feel they can use and if they understand metaphor, which not <clears throat> everybody does. um can be different but it's noticing the connection between them isn't it yes absolutely yeah 
Yes. And I, I wonder also if there's something uh, in some metaphors that's more universal than others. You know, like if I said, oh, I had such a roller coaster of a day, you know, roller coaster means something potentially quite different to me than it might do to you. But I wonder if there's something more universal about um, other metaphors. It's, it's yeah, it's an interesting one. And that's just literally just a question uh, of of which metaphors are more universal and which are more specific. You're going to do a PhD. How that shows up. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, in my head, maybe, but writing. Oh, <laughs> that's such an interesting question, isn't it? Yeah. So, if you wanted to encourage our listeners to push on with this a bit what would you be saying ah oh, interesting I go and see lots of Shakespeare plays just and, it, and it's a really interesting one I know I've been brought up with Shakespeare I also know a lot of people who haven't been brought up with Shakespeare shockingly <laughs> no but it's true and, and um and a lot of people find Shakespeare very difficult I really get that but I would say the best way to go to Shakespeare is to not try and analyze it but just to let it wash over you and then things start to gradually sink in as you reflect on it and as you appreciate it the worst thing you can do I think for Shakespeare is analyze everything about it and try and understand every word it's about seeing what lands with you in the moment and sits with you um and again you know that's very (laughs) that resonates very much with coaching too (laughs) I was um, waiting to see whether you noticed what you just said. <laughs> oh dear. Um, but yeah, I think for me, certainly, and, and I think this is one of the reasons why Shakespeare is so, so popular and so famous is because what he does with words, with characters, with story, with metaphor, with scenes and all the rest of it reflects so much of who we are as humans in a very poetic, beautiful way. Yeah. Uh, both the, the 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 interesting, nasty, more negative elements potentially, and and also the 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 happy and the joyful and the beautiful. And we don't need to analyse a coaching session. We're not oh. there to do a, a English comprehension review of it. <laughs> We're there to notice, aren't we, the mood and the dissonance and the resonance yeah. and the and the flow of what somebody's saying. And offering them back that is enough to help them to get new insights and to feel heard. Yes. And that's also, you know, that brings to mind for me um, that work on coaching maturity that I think it was Clutterbuck. Yes. Did um, with someone else. It's gone out of my head now. Um, A bunch of people. Yeah, a bunch of people at all. Um, and, um, yeah, the, the, the steps of, of, uh, coaching maturity where, you know, when you start off and you're kind of doing it and you're using all the tools and techniques and you're trying to get it right, there's a lot of, there can be a lot of analysis and, and a bit of clunkiness to that work. But as you mature and take those steps towards coaching maturity, which is an ongoing journey, right? It's never going to finish. It's not like you get to that destination and it's all done. But that ongoing journey, as you move on that journey, you move more into a space of flow. You move more into a space of um, intuitive, um, pr- you know, intuitive practice of picking up the nuances, picking up the the the, the um, pace, the tone, the yeah. words, um, the uh, subtle intricacies of body language, and so on. Yeah. 
yeah yeah without analyzing the words well, exactly yeah well emily thank you for coming to the coaching <laughs> in and stimulating our thinking about dissonance resonance and shakespeare for those of you who hate shakespeare next week's episode is about something altogether else <laughs> but for those of you who love shakespeare we'd love to hear what you think and we'd love yeah. for you to build on the conversation yeah um so if you're interested in building on the conversation yeah share your thoughts and insights um and emily how do people get in touch with you uh so i have a website www.emilywellbeing.co.uk so do get in touch i'm also on instagram as emily wellbeing and also on uh, linkedin as emily walker emotional resilience coach so there you go brilliant thank you emily i'll put all of those in the show notes so thank you for coming to the coaching in pleasure real pleasure thank you so much claire it's been an absolute treat and everyone thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week at the coaching in bye-bye if you've enjoyed what you've heard today we'd love you to share the podcast with a friend or leave a comment on social media and if you'd like to become a regular at the coaching in you can subscribe on podbean and all major podcast channels We look forward to welcoming you next time. You've been listening to The Coaching In, 3D Coaching's virtual pub. For more information, check out 3dcoaching.com.